0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Glennon Doyle in her book Love Warrior that I read this year says, You can't miss your boat. It's yours. It stays docked till you're ready. The only boat you can miss is someone else's. Hello, welcome to our New Year's Eve special edition of Just Make The Thing, a podcast for people who want to start a thing and keep on making it. I am Claire Twenty, and I love this time of year for lots of reasons. In Australia, the heat radiating off the bitumen roads and the sharp smell of the eucalyptus trees makes me finally, finally start to slow down. The fever pitch of Christmas is over, and now my couch and the world of books beckons. I love long bushworks. Today we saw an echidna ambling across the path that winds along our little stretch of river, and a kookaburra just hanging out on a shady river gum branch, watching the muddy river lazily sparkle its way downstream. I love how quiet the roads become, and how I'm never quite sure of the time, day, or date. This time of year after Christmas is like life goes on pause for a little while and you have time to reflect on the year that's been and what lies ahead. So my advice for anyone trying to start a thing or keeping on making it in 2019 is to take this little bit of time to pause, to breathe and to listen. Listen to the direction your feet might need to take you and then bundle up your courage, fill your mind with things and words and recipes that other creative beings have made and use all of that fuel, squirrel it away, marinate in it for a little while and then tackle the new year with gusto. No pressure, no need for the stuff for you to make to be revolutionary or life-changing. Just make some stuff because that's what you need to do and be curious, not perfect. Life is far too messy, too rollercoastery, too unpredictable for you to ever need anything you make to be perfect. Start small. Start tiny. Done is always better than good. Draw a picture, make some jam, change a light bulb, write a poem, take a photo, frame it and print it. For your own marinating pleasure, Chanel Lechev and I talked today about all the things we've loved reading and watching and listening to best in twenty. 18. I was going to say 19. It's 2018. And our recommendations for holiday reading. We also look at the year that was 2018. Man, was it a bloody big one. P.S. One of the movies I recommend is actually called Searching. But for some reason, my brain keeps saying screening in this episode. It's been a big year, folks. So, okay. Onwards with Love and Leftover Christmas Pudding. Chanel, Hi, hello, happy, happy almost, almost New Year. Year. <laughs> I know. Hello, <laughs> listeners out there. We are recording this on the eve of New Year's Eve, thirtieth of December. Yeah, twenty eighteen mm-hmm. in Melbourne, Australia, to be exact. <laughs> My goodness, know. <laughs> I know. Imagine if, like, in fifty years' time, we're old biddies listening to us talking <laughs> back in our thirties, and we were young and fresh-faced. <laughs>
0: Not feeling particularly young and fresh faced right now, but
1: I take your point. <laughs> growing a child. Yes. You're allowed to feel that. It has been super hot. It has. This has been a year. What a year, mm-hmm. honestly. This episode, we are aiming to delve, firstly, into some lighthearted stuff, about what we've been reading and mm-hmm. listening to and watching for mm-hmm. 2018. Mm-hmm. And then the second half of the year, we're going to kind of do a summary of the things that have touched us mm-hmm. and on a more global kind of scale. Of some world events. We tried to be succinct. A year is a long time. It is. The world is big. Lots of things happen. 2018 has been particularly humongous. Mm. And the world is in a kind of chaotic, obviously a bit of a scary place. So that's the second half of the show, but
0: let's do some fun stuff first.
1: (laughs) Okay. I love it. Excellent. So Chanel, 2018. Mm -hmm. What have you been like watching or listening to? Where do you want to start? Um
0: In not answering your question, I can tell you the things that I've read that I've quite
1: enjoyed. Excellent. Perfect. (laughs) Let's start there. I'm so organized. Let's start with books and things you've read.
0: Um, Okay. So when I traveled this year, I read um, Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. And that was a very interesting book about South African politics and his experiences as a child growing up and very, very funny. If anyone wants sort of funny and pithy kind of look into apartheid and South African history, I'd highly, highly recommend it. Really, really, really good book. Mm. And just, yeah, it was good timing, I think. Gave a bit more connection to where we were and my family and, like, Yeah and my roots, really, kind of thing,
1: yeah. Yeah, super interesting. Okay, mm. I'm going to definitely have to read that. Mm-hmm. I also read um, Americana by Chamanda Ngozi Adichie. Well done, you. I don't know if I, I – think I, I think I pronounced it right. But that was an incredible book. She's mm-hmm. a Nigerian mm-hmm. and I found that really interesting. So it was kind of a similar theme, I guess, mm-hmm. to yours, your book too. I mean, I love Trevor Noah. He's so cheeky and fun. Yeah, he, he also is. got bronchitis this year Not or some he? serious throat thing. He had to cancel a lot of his tours. Oh, poor I guy. I Follow him on Instagram. <laughs> so he's been fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I really recommended recommend Americana. I really enjoyed it. It's about, so the main character moves to America and mm-hmm. she's from Nigeria and that whole kind of. Window into what it's like to be an immigrant, Mm -hmm, what it's like to mm -hmm. move from Africa and be African Mm -hmm. in America. And there was a lot of sort of talk about race and, you know, the difference between being, um, you know, African American and being of African descent Mm -hmm. as an immigrant. And a lot of kids do that from particularly in Nigeria, but I'm sure a lot of other African countries. Mm. So, yeah. And it's just also a really kind of interesting, sort of funny moments and yeah, great commentary. So I enjoyed Americana. Sounds excellent. Yeah. What else? Have you got anything? I've got a whole list.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, your list is (laughs) a lot longer than mine. I think this year I've I've experienced a lot of lethargy, so I haven't been able to read as much as I would like to. But um, books that come to mind are Cooked by Michael Pollan, which is Basically, he goes through the process of making food, like creating food, and using like basic elements to do it. So like fire and water and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think you might remember from a previous podcast I was saying he was talking about how cooking for someone is like one of the greatest acts of love.
1: Aww. So I was quite touched
0: by that whole thing. I was like, I'm going to make everybody cakes. Everyone's getting cakes and they're all coming from me. <laughs> yeah, so, you
1: did have a real baking year for
0: a while, I did, year. I did. And I still actually, like occasionally, I haven't had a heap of energy at the moment because there's just too much stuff going on but – um yeah, I actually am trying to continue to do that, bake and cook and,
1: and yeah, yeah. make things for people in that way. Well, it goes into that mm. whole feeding your creative spirit, right? Yeah. And book reading and whatever it is that you do, whether it's cookbooks or – you know, yep. other kinds of literature. It all kind of goes into feeding your creativity and having that. And baking is like such a great part of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yep. for me,
1: definitely. I found gardening as well. That's gardening right. Because you're
0: aerating that. your lawn. Not I that know. Long ago. I bloody love it. <laughs> so good for you. you?
1: and also like um, I found with all the world events that are happening, which we'll get to later. <laughs> doing things like gardening and cooking, or cooking with things from your garden. Mm. So that book sounds really interesting. Too. I haven't yeah. read that. Yeah, it's quite a good one. Oh my yep. goodness! I'm going to be all smug, smugson. And like <laughs> read some more books that I have recommended this year. What about you? So becoming Michelle uh, Obama. Have uh, you read that yet? No, I haven't. Oh mate, I'm waiting for someone to loan it. To oh me. yeah, I've got it. I'll give it to you tonight before you leave. Um, oh mate, it's did you love so it? Good. Did you just love it? Uh, I loved it. You know it. I love
0: her, right? I just like I love her. Yeah. So I haven't read the book, but after her, she released the book. I basically watched pretty much every interview or press conference she's given on the book. Like, and I think I just...
1: I love her. I know. So, oh my God. Wait till you read the book. Oh God. Well, i be You're going to ring me like a swoony, <laughs> swoony, swoon. Like, yeah, honestly. I love the finish of her book, too, in her like yellow dress with her like thigh high. Oh, yeah. Shiny I saw boots. that.
0: I was like, you vampy lady. I know.
1: There's been some amazing women coming through this year, and mm. I will get to that. But, you know, all the. I've loved seeing sort of these strong women appear, and some of the fashion that's happened this year it's has incredible. been incredible. Fabulous. But, yeah, it's a brilliant book. It's also very sort of gritty. Mm-hmm. It's a real – if it feels real. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a staged, like, kind of book. It mm. feels from her heart. You get a real sense of the richness of the Obamas. Not, I mean, obviously they are wealthy now, but mm. not richness in wealth, richness in connection, in roots, mm-hmm. in culture, in love, in humour, in, you know, jazz and mm. her roots, particularly in Chicago, and just the the strength that comes from having such a connected family mm. and a work ethic and you can see that she's a real person and you can understand how much they've sacrificed and worked and the work ethic over so many years to to themselves from where they were to where they are and Mm. that she talks a lot about race in America and the generations and the struggle that her elders had and kind of their anger Mm -hmm. and some of her relatives who were really bitter and she didn't understand why they were so bitter as children but, you know, her, she had lives who in her past were slaves yep. and yep. so just that embedded racism and it's so, I can't wait for you to read it.
0: Well, there's it? like the interviews I've read and I don't know whether this is in the book because I haven't, obviously haven't read it but um, she's, she does, she's talked about um, how I guess their rise in popularity and fame has also created this rise in vitriolic hatred towards her and her husband and her family and she's like, I never thought anyone who didn't know me could hate me so much mm. and trying to find a way to come to terms with that and not let it affect me, mm. which is quite extraordinary because she's not the, she was not the leader of the free world. That was her husband's, I guess, political choice. But when you marry into that situation,
1: yeah. that's, that's your life too and mm. that's just so much sacrifice. Exactly. Mm. And you get that sense through the book that she really does not like politics and doesn't like they had some marriage difficulties a lot around that how long he was away from home and mm-hmm. all the sacrifices that they made and then also he helped her find herself cuz she was a corporate lawyer and it wasn't being wasn't fulfilling her mm-hmm. and so her community work kind of came from her relationship with Obama and him kind of she was always one that ticked every box and did all the sensible things mm-hmm. and he was a real free spirited thinker who grew up all over the world with a mother who was sort of a traveller and, Mm. you know, so – and are such a deep thinker. So it's just – it's such a beautiful kind of look into how when a relationship works and you're two different people you can have really complex and difficult times. Mm. But you can – but so much creativity and so much wonderfulness can come when you've got a team, that that when you really, you know, you challenge each other Mm. and you make each other grow. And also just how – she I love – There's this beautiful scene where she's in, like, a car Mm -hmm. and she's just sort of having a win because she's managed to, like, get all her jobs done in Mm -hmm. the, like, in the high-rise, whatever it is, the shopping centre. And she's, like, eating takeaway in the car being, like, I'm totally winning at life. And there's just, like, lots of moments where you see how hard it is to be a mum and do what she did. and And then you think, and just made me think, the juxtaposition of Trump this year and the poverty of spirit
0: Oh, yeah. Has. Like, there couldn't be a more opposite situation yeah. going on in American politics, Crazy. could there?
1: No. I
0: think there was one other interview that I can't remember who it was, but you'd probably be able to find it if you Googled it. So, um, Michelle's interviewed next to her mum. So, she talks about her mother's role in the White House and how she was kind of like the counselor and how all the staff would come to her. Room and then just talk, and she would help them talk through their issues, and Aww. was quite sweet. Like she reminded me a bit of uh, my husband's grandmother, actually, because you come to her with your problems, and then she'll just feeds them, feeds you, and tells you everything's going to be okay, which I think yeah. is what she <laughs> sort of did. But at the end of the um, interview, I think I think it might have been Gail King um, who interviewed them. She said, "Oh, what do you what do you admire most, or what do you love most about your daughter?" And then. Um, she said, Oh, um, well, I've been saying this to people for years, but when I grow up I want to be Michelle Obama. And Aww. I was like, I literally started bawling Aww. my eyes out. <laughs> and I was like, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And then she sort of looks at her and she goes, Oh, and she calls her mummy and then she gives her a hug and they both start crying. Yay. I was like, oh
1: God. Because <laughs> you get a sense in the book that her mum is really no nonsense, but yeah. not someone to be would that would be effusive yeah. about her at all. Like she's very just like practical to pick yourself up. Yeah. She had this great line where she's like, I've been raising adults. And so they and so she'd always say it to her kids, you know, yeah. I'm raising you as adults. I'm mm. raising you to be independent and free thinking and hardworking and reliable and you show up and you do what you need to do. And I love that idea yeah. of like being so much love but also so much, like, expecting them to... Setting the, set, setting yeah. the bar high. Yeah, exactly. And her brother sounds like an amazing person. <laughs> uh, of course he would be, I though. Know. he's like He was a really amazing basketballer Ooh. and, yeah, so many things. So... It's such read
0: a that, book. guys. Read I'll that. read it too. Okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'll let you know
1: how you, go, how you think about it. It was <laughs> such a great book and so nice to read when world events are a bit scary. Yeah. Um. Another one I've talked about is any, any ordinary day.
0: Oh yeah, Billy Sales book. Yep. Yep,
1: yeah, that's a great one too. Um, it's kind of depressing. She interviews people who've been through <laughs> major atrocities mm-hmm. and talks a bit about her own life events, but it's kind of weirdly positive mm-hmm. and has a lot of sort of good stuff to say about how to help people when they're going through tough times. Yeah. That's something that I've really learnt this year, mm-hmm. that I'm, I've had lots of friends who've gone through tough times. And Chat 10 Looks 3, with Anna Merle, and Lee Sales, and that book, has taught me a lot about how to show up for people mm. and how to accept kindness. Mm. Mm. So that's, that's really thing. interesting.
0: I've got one more actually um, that I haven't quite finished but one of my girlfriends actually gave me this beautiful book. You probably, you've probably you probably read it, Claire. Um, no, not that one. When she found out I was pregnant. It's called The Motherhood. Have you read it?
1: No. Oh, is that Jimmy Rizvi's book? Mm. I've, yes, I have read some of the stories. Not all. Oh,
0: it's amazing. And it's such a nice honest, non-sugar-coated depiction of what the first, you know, six to 12 weeks, sometimes 12 months of motherhood is like and how hard it is and the stuff that they all go through. And, I mean, they're all obviously, the women in this book are all incredibly successful and obviously very bright and capable people and they all kind of share the same kind of paranoia and exhaustion and emotional like an uh, energy drain mm. and
1: and the pull there's a lot of push and pull about yeah. it like you feel guilty when you're with your child and you're yeah. not doing enough you feel guilty when you're not with them because you're at work and you should be with them yeah yeah, yeah. and all of that stuff yeah that
0: sounds great. I haven't yeah read it's at all, a fabulous so. book and it's if you're a bit like me at the moment where you don't really have the energy to sort of read anything that's too too um, deep, deep. Yeah, yeah too dense exactly. Um, these are nice sort of short stories about people's experiences and it's yeah kind of it's a it's a come you come to the realization that it's a very becoming a parent like being a mother going through labor and pregnancy it's a very unifying experience. We're all different but we're all we all have the same kinds of mm. fears and hopes and dreams for ourselves, for our children, for our relationships and stuff. really really liked it.
1: Okay. Awesome. Oh, excellent. Mm. I'm going to, I need to finish that. I've read a couple of the short stories and I interviewed Javamila Rigsby for this mm, podcast. she yes, did. She's so brilliant. Oh, my goodness. And since then, she's had such a hard road this year. She oh had a brain God. tumor. Oh, my God, this year I know. Twi- that came back. She said two lots of surgeries. Poor thing. I know. And she's just an incredible woman. So, I I loved her other book, Not Just Lucky, that came out last Mm -hmm. year as well Mm -hmm. about um, women in the workforce. And we've talked about that before, how women shouldn't say we're just lucky to be there. We should claim our power Chanel. Mm-hmm. Woo-hoo. Woohoo! Indeed. Wear our gold knee-high boots like Michelle Obama. <laughs> Fist pumping in the air. <laughs> yes. Okay. Cool. I'm going to read that one. That's short. That I really enjoyed was mm-hmm. an essay called "On Mother" mm-hmm. by Sarah Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Ferguson is a really prominent Australian journalist. She does, she hosts Four Corners, which mm. is an in-depth sort of journalistic show Mm -hmm. um, and they look at tackle really big stories she's just incredible she's a powerhouse of a journalist one of the premier journalists in australia anyway her mother died and she writes this sort of really beautifully drawn um story or of of how she found out and it was a shock and her mother lived in england and it just happened so quickly and then there were some difficulties around what happened and whether it could have been prevented by the hospital and So, but it's just the way she writes about it is so heartbreaking, but beautifully written. Yeah. And about grief and loss. So, I really recommend it. It's only short, but she writes so beautifully. Mm. And she really just like describes her mother and their relationship and how she, yeah, kind of took her for granted in a way because she was just always there and solid. And because it was, she died in in hospital, and no one even knew she was in hospital. She hadn't told anyone. Oh, and okay. so she just walks into a house. She has this beautiful depiction of the house as mm-hmm. having her mother's spell in it. Oh. It's always really struck me. You know how when you go into someone's home, and like oh, you step in at my nana's house, mm-hmm. you would go in and it has this like, Feeling of them, mm-hmm. like the way the furniture is, and especially elderly people—they've lived somewhere for so long. So yep. the smell of my grandmother and the way she'd do her dishes and her crockery in the sink and mm. her tea bag, her brand of tea bags, and her—she had like men- menthols that she'd always have in so oh, the house, cute. kind of smelled like menthols. Anyway, that was the spell of her mother. You anyway, beautifully written book. I would highly recommend that one. Fabulous! Mm, I have so many. <laughs> Love, Love, Warrior. I read that this year by Glennon Doyle. Oh, I did. You? I just discovered Glennon Doyle mm. altogether this year, and she has changed my life. She's so funny. You follow her, follow her on Instagram. But she's also, um, she's been through a lot. She's mm. written some great books just about her experience. She was an alcoholic. She's now sober. She was like a Christian mummy blogger who has now. Become, She's a lesbian mm. and in a relationship married to Abby Wombach, who's a female soccer player. She's a mother of two beautiful kids and an activist for, she's just really strident in sort of politically advocating for people who need it most. They have founded a foundation called Together Rising, mm-hmm. which is this incredible foundation and they have done a lot of work for women and children at the border Um, A lot of work for refugees. um, A lot of work for mothers and children needing safe houses and recovering alcoholics and drug addicts. And
0: anyway, she's just incredible incredible work.
1: And she also is just really funny and joyful. She has this thing called furious dancing. Oh, so when which I love (laughs) and which I want to adopt. So whenever some terrible news events happen, like for instance when Brett Kavanaugh was appointed to the Supreme Court. Mm. After all of the things that had come out, and, and after I think I think the thing that was shocking was after all of the
0: all of the momentum behind the Me Too movement, he still managed to be appointed in the end. I was yeah. like, how is that even possible? I thought we'd progressed to a point where <gasps> we realised that people's life choices sort of uh, indicate their what their, their character and mm. a position of that of such importance. Mm. Should be taken far more seriously, and not—I mm.
1: don't know. Not but but I what what has happened for me this year is mm. I've really started to understand power, yeah, and the power of white men basically mm-hmm. globally, and most of the w- world's w- wealth. Is in the hands of mm. white men, and not, oh, I don't. Yeah. Like, I'm married to a wonderful white man. Mm. I know a lot of my good friends are white guys. It's not that I don't think that they're wonderful guys, and men are wonderful in general, but there are also a lot of toxic um, systems at the moment globally, mm. and particularly around power and money, mm. and. The Me Too movement is just kind of exposing that over and over again mm. that there are these women who have been treated appallingly, and mm-hmm. women have been mm-hmm. oppressed and treated appallingly, not just women, people of minorities, people of different genders and sexualities, you know, people of different races. And, you know, because of all of that, even though we're kind of more aware of it, and Me Too has put a spotlight on it, nothing, not that much is, has changed yet. It takes a long time for that kind of change, really. It's like a Mm. systemic, multi-generational thing. Mm. Because at the end of the day, the people appointing Brett Kavanaugh are mostly white guys. So even though, and from a particular ilk and a particular standpoint, and I mean the President of America is like king of the white sort of male privilege, sexual here, harasser slash potential abusers allegedly, allegedly, allegedly.
0: I think the concerning
1: thing for me
0: is the um, possible consequences of a conservative bench Mm -hmm. and what that means for women's rights and women's bodies in particular Mm -hmm. in relation to being able to have a choice and specifically choose to terminate a pregnancy Mm -hmm. if for whatever reason... That may not exist, or it may exist selectively. In that, there are mm. some jurisdictions in America that have it, and others don't. Because I mean, that's the way that it works in, or worked in Ireland for a very, very mm, long time until this year. Yeah,
1: that's another thing that happened. Mm. What's kind of happening now is we're merging our, yeah. that we've read and the political events. But yeah. that's kind of great because it yeah. is what it is, yeah. isn't it? It's a melting pot. Yeah, yeah. Because everything you read influences and vice versa, what you listen Correct. to and the choices of what's happening in the world and then what you read, all that stuff. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm. I mean, I, it became legal in Ireland for women to be able to have the right to choose. Before that, women to get abortions were having to leave the country. It's quite extraordinary in 2018 yeah. that that was still the case up until this year. Yeah. And the other part of it too is that women's like availability of birth control, mm. all of that kind of stuff, is also under threat by mm. a really conservative bench because if you restrict birth control, and I've only really discovered this after becoming a mother, it's become more clear to me. Women, unless you have are very well educated, you have a really supportive husband, which both we do. Mm. But there are so many women in the world who don't, mm-hmm. or who, and there are different types of societal expectations and cultural expectations, and also just relationships. Yeah. The more children that you have, mm-hmm. the less capacity that you have to work. And often that burden falls on women. So if they can't make choices around birth control, they just have more children.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: You know? Absolutely. Like my grandmother had ten kids. My grandmother had
0: ten too, on my mum's side. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think not having a control not not being able to have a level of control over your body in your own Reproductive well-being, I don't know, mm. has far-reaching implications, and it's always going to be worse for women because biologically we carry them. And your, if even if you happen to be one of those women that is able to like gives birth and is able to resume you, your life as you knew mm. it um, for whatever reason, there's still a, a whole bunch of physical and psychological recovery that comes after that point in time. So. It affects you in a way that it can't possibly affect a man. We just
1: can't. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't mean that women don't have the capacity to do to go back into the workforce to advocate for themselves, oh, no, to write not at and all. create. But it does it does impact us. And the only way that things can change is if men take a more active role. Mm. Yeah. Right. And also that we have the choice to be able to, yep. you know, get safe, effective birth control, mm. all those sorts of things. Mm. So yeah, it's um, going back to that. Glennon Doyle is an advocate for women, I think, and love, I would really recommend her books, Love Warrior, I read this year. Mm -hmm. And yeah, really powerful. Something else I read this year as well, that is kind of along a similar vein Mm -hmm. was Anatomy of a Scandal by Sarah Vaughan. I just finished that. It's kind of, it just really looks at a rape case. So it's, And it's fictional, Mm -hmm. um, but it's set in Britain, so Mm -hmm. it's not a a US book. And it really comes from the perspective of three different women, Mm -hmm. one of which is married to the guy who's been accused of rape, who's Mm -hmm. an MP who's best friends with the Prime Minister, the British Prime Minister. So it's his wife. It's a lawyer, a barrister who's prosecuting him for the rape. Mm -hmm. And then the third is a friend of hers. So the friend and they all went to college together and it comes out through the story that they all went to college together. And so you flick back in time between when they were at college together and what was happening in that MP's life when Mm -hmm. he was in college and all the white privilege he had. He went to Oxford and, you know, the boys' club mentality, they called them Atonians and the Libertines, which are Mm -hmm. like those, you know, those like men's boys clubs Mm -hmm. within those old colleges Mm -hmm. and the culture around women there and how they treated women. And then it sort of flashes to the present day and it deals with this rape allegation by his sort of secretary and they were in a relationship and then they ended the relationship. So it's all around consent and Mm -hmm. it unpacks a lot of those Me Too themes and it's also a bit of a, like, it's quite an easy read, even though they sound like really deep, sort of full-on things. But <laughs> it's do a, a little, but, But yeah. it's a bit like a, it's sort of like a mystery unravels through the thing. But it is, I found it really interesting just to read about, yeah, I guess wealth and privilege and what happens when um, women's stories don't get out there and we don't see things from a women's perspective. Yeah. You know? And how even though women and what it takes for a woman to stand up in court and tell her story mm. and then for people to believe her or not believe her. Well
0: the statistical probability of people being convicted of sexual assault is incredibly low and it's very gendered. And I remember when we were when I was in law school we did sexual assault subjects and basically they say, you know there's a large amount of women that are sexually assaulted, raped and or, or you know touched approached inappropri- inappropriately. To be honest with you, I don't think I know a single woman that hasn't encountered inappropriate sexual conduct and not necessarily in the most sort of aggressive of terms but in, in in lots of ways. In fact, I was talking to my friends about it over the weekend. One of my girlfriends, she's a personal trainer and she was saying they had their Christmas party. She doesn't really drink. So uh, being a personal trainer, she's all about her health. The clients were invited and a client who wasn't a client of hers was making friendly conversation that just all got a bit too uncomfortable and he was talking about how she didn't know him, she was politely speaking to him, but it turned out he knew which car she drove, he knew kind of whereabouts she lived, where she went shopping. You know, it got very, yeah. And sometimes it's hard to sort of know where that line is where you're like... Sometimes things are just a bit inappropriate. You shrug them off and you move on and when it is that you need to stop and sort of stand up for yourself. It's very hard. It's very hard for women and a lot of the time we're just in shock about it. You don't know what to do. When you mm. reflect on it, you think to yourself, I should have done that. I should have said something. I should have. In fact, I was actually, I don't know whether I told you this, but um, I'd gone into the city during the day like on a weekend um, and Gordon and I had lunch and I just... Was walking down the street and some man approached me and he said something really creepy. Like he was very tall, so he had like a quite a what's the word? He had like a stance, like quite a he was quite intimidating, I guess. He just walked past me and all he said was, How's the baby? And I've <gasps> never been more disgusted and freaked out in my entire life. And he kept walking, and I kept walking, and I was like, What do I do? I turned around, and he was gone. So I spoke to Goran about it. He's like, Why don't you do anything? I'm like, what am I gonna do? He was six foot five, like What am I going to do, scream and carry on? I just wanted to get the hell away from him. And upon reflection, you're like, you need to call that behaviour out, but it's a lot harder to do it than you think. Mm. So just going back to that idea of sexual assault, there's large amounts of inappropriate behaviour that happens in society. A lot of it goes unreported or even not spoken about. Mm. Of those matters that are discussed and then possibly reported, there's a slim amount that actually can become criminal charges of those that are criminally charged, there's very few that actually go to trial, and then of those sort of at uh, trials that actually happen, there's very few that actually get convictions, and even of the convictions, there's very few that actually get sentenced to a. Mm. Well, this is a very dismal <laughs> outlook, right. is it? We're going to get
1: to other uh, positive things. It so will, this is but, really but fascinating though, <laughs> and important to talk
0: about. It's very, it's just, it's a very interesting thing, and I think you talked about that book, and all I could think in the back of my head was, that sounds like the Brett Kavanaugh situation. Mm. <laughs> that's, mm. that's a little bit close to home. And I'm sure that's happened to lots of women, like lots of people over mm. the course of their lives. I think so.
1: Mm. And even that whole idea around when, when is it a man's fault? If you've agreed to go into the bedroom, mm. if you're there, if you've Agreed to be kissed, or even if you intimated that you're interested, but mm-hmm. then you say no halfway mm-hmm. through, or mm. you say no, or you didn't want it to go any further than mm. a kiss, and then they do. Mm. Where is the fault? And how do you prove mm-hmm. that you said no? And did and how do you even if you did say no, how do you prove mm. or disprove that they didn't hear you? Mm. Yeah. All those things. Um, it's so complex. And I think 2018 just for me personally, has been a year where I've really reflected a lot on this because I was so sheltered for the most part being in a teaching position yeah. where in that environment it was mostly women yep. and very conservative kind of. I worked in a Catholic school and I went straight from high school into teaching where most of the men are like people who want to do primary teaching yeah. so they're lovely. And so I, I wasn't ever really in an adult workplace in the – where you can be exposed to this kind of stuff more readily. And I I got together with James when I was 19, so I have lived in a bit of a bubble. Mm. And so it's been really interesting reflecting on all the stories. It's like I just watched an interview with Lee Sales and Mm -hmm. Yale Stone, who is an actress from Orange is the New Black, and she has just come out because Jeffrey Rush has been in court um, for allegedly sort of sexually harassing a co-star. And so now she has come out and I watched the full interview. It's such a good watch because I realised I loved Jeffrey Rush. Mm. Through growing up and watching his films and as a big star, he used to come into a cinema that I worked in all the time and he advocated because of the beautiful sort of place where that cinema was, they were going to do some big development and he was a real advocate Mm -hmm. for pushing for that development, not to go ahead and to preserve the old building. So I always saw him as a really upstanding, interesting, intelligent, you know, actor. Yep. I think I had sort of thought, oh, those are probably not true. That's a bit of a beat up. I think in my head, I don't know why I thought that. Almost like maybe it's, you know, entrenched kind of absorbed preconceptions or something anyway, which is so unfounded because I didn't know that many details about the case. Anyway, I watched this interview Mm -hmm. and she just detailed all of the things that he did to make her uncomfortable as a 25-year-old actress in a play that he was producing. It was her breakout role. She Mm -hmm. was so excited. She had to shave her head for the role. Wow. And then she kind of became his jester, she explained, and he would send her a sexually explicit text in the guise of like sort of literary language. Oh. I know all this kind of night at 3am all times of the night, but because he's this major star, she felt like she had to respond. He would like waggle his Ding dong around her, just like backstage. Just she'd be putting makeup on, and he'd come and like shake it in her face. Like, he'd oh put my a god, over the cubicle while she was showering. Like he um, propositioned her, and she had a boyfriend. And she said no, Jeez. and he made like sort of jokes all the time, and it just made me realise. She said something, and I thought, oh, even I've been in that kind of situation where an older guy or someone says something that makes you feel uncomfortable Mm. but you do that thing that women do where you go (laughs) ha-ha, ha laugh to get out of there. Yeah. You don't say, you don't make a scene, you don't want to make a scene and sometimes you even feel sorry for them. She was kind of articulating that she felt sorry for him. Yep. Because you didn't, because, or a bit awkward or like, oh, he just doesn't know any better. He thinks that he's flirting with me and I'm uncomfortable but he has all the power in this situation Mm. so I'm just going to, Extract myself the fastest way I can in the safest way I can without offending him because you don't Mm. want to hurt his feelings.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think I've been in that situation before where I've definitely laughed something off or just try not to make a big deal out of it because my view is if I don't say anything and I don't react, then maybe it just will be over. Yeah. But, But then that I guess that kind of... I guess that kind of encourages someone to do it again, or mm. makes makes them that they don't understand that that behavior is inappropriate. Although sometimes I wonder how they cannot know it's yeah. inappropriate. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. know. I sometimes have a theory that sometimes it's some guys, like particular older men, may like they they've come from a time where you could flirt openly with women, yeah. and maybe they have an ego where they can't see that we don't want. To be flirted with. Yeah. Like they sort of can't understand that what they think is fun banter. Yeah. And they have and they're kind of cheeky and of course they want my advances. Yeah.
0: You know, they sort of And that our generation might be just a bit too sensitive and yeah. we need to get over
1: it and it's really not that big a deal type
0: of thing. Um, yeah, I would agree with that entirely. I think that's um it's not that it's necessarily the fault of our of women before us, but it's 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 kind of like that behaviour has gone to- gone tolerated mm. or unpunished for so long, there's almost a lack of understanding of what an appropriate social norm is in the workplace. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine in those kinds of creative roles, acting and performance and stuff, where there is more room to take licence with sort of creative behaviour that that it just leaves a bit of room to sometimes delve into things that have more inappropriate,
1: you know. Co- completely. And I, I think too, because it's you've heard about that in comedy with yep. things that have come out about Louis C.K., you know, yeah, all yep. those things because, yeah, you're right, I think these big stars as well, they're the ones bringing in the money mm-hmm. and if they've been let to kind of go and no one's pulled them in because no one wants to offend them, they're kind of massaging egos. It's even Harvey Weinstein, it's the same. Absolutely. No one wants to jump in and say anything. Everyone just like wants to keep them happy because mm. they – then they, I mean, it is obviously their fault, but in a way it's also everybody's responsibility because they've let that behaviour continue without ever pulling them up on it. And I've done the same, like, laughed. Because you also don't want to be the girl who's a stick in the mud. Correct. Or, like, makes a big deal of it at, like, a social gathering with people. You don't want to embarrass anyone. And I've also been in that situation probably,
0: I don't know whether you have before, where you do actually take an issue with something and then everyone kind of is like, feels uncomfortable and they try and make you feel a bit silly for bringing it up and then it just makes you more angry and, yeah. and then people start telling you to calm down and you don't want to calm down and, you know, oh, that person's just sensitive about that thing. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe what you're saying is actually inappropriate and nobody else is actually, you know, commenting on it.
1: I don't know. Yeah. But so I it. understand that completely. Yeah. yeah. And so I think... The more that we can do that, and I think that's what's been kind of really empowering this year, is seeing women doing that. I mean, Yale Stone was talking about how she's a mother now, she's a little girl, little baby girl, and how she decided she knew this was probably career suicide because that's the other part of this. Mm. Women step. Da- a lot of people are like, well, why would she come out? You know, she's after money or after. No, mm. they don't make any money. Yeah. Often they ruin their careers entirely, they yeah. ruin their whole. You know, livelihood and can't, you know all of those sorts of things. But she said, in good conscience, she had to come out and talk about it. Yep. And I think it's been so encouraging this meter movement to see that that all these women, even though it's kind of just really soul destroying and depressing, yeah, it's also yeah. wonderful. And the next thing we need is for blokes out there to help us. Yeah. Because there's so many good men to stand up and call out other men, because often that's the issue. That women could say it, but really, at the end of the day, blokes need to go to other blokes and say, hey, mate, that's not cool. Yeah. Don't say that. And not just for your wife or girlfriend or mother, but for a, someone in your workplace. I yep. think often guys don't know what to say either. Yeah. Like they're watching something happen but not, not, and not feeling like it's okay. Um, I actually had a situation in a workplace where my colleague stepped in for, on behalf of my behalf And I talked to another colleague about what he was saying to me and it was so lovely and I'd brushed it off as not a big deal but he saw it was a big deal and he actually did something. Mm. And I've really, I've always remembered that. I thought that was such a lovely thing to do Um, and in a gentle way, not in like a big deal taking it to like the next level way but, Bringing
0: attention to it I think is really
1: important, yeah. Correct, exactly right. So that brings me to we're kind of just jumping around everywhere in our Mm. normal sort of way that we do. Mm. What are any movies you recommend? Uh movies. Well
0: we had the very, very long emotional discussion about a star is born. Oh mate. If you haven't seen that, (laughs) you haven't heard us sort of Ran squealing about,
1: about it. <laughs> and the music. Yeah. Like, yeah, go back and listen to that episode. I really
0: enjoyed um, Bohemian Rhapsody. That was oh, really amazing. the Freddie Mercury yeah. film about Queen. Yeah. Yes. That was incredible. I loved that too. Um, and actually very recently, like over the weekend, I watched, I think it's it's old now, but I watched um, Black KK Klansman, which is a true story about an African-American man that actually infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan, which is really, really good too. They're entertaining Spike Lee movie, so funny and serious and sort of it's got an interesting message and stuff, so I would definitely recommend that too. Mm. Um, so I don't know whether you know this, but David Duke, who was the former Grand Wizard of the KKK. <laughs> That's what uh, they call themselves. They're ridiculous. They're
1: wearing pointy hats.
0: Um, was also an elected representative, um, political representative. I don't know whether he was a senator or... Congressman, I can't remember which one, but he had um, quite wielded quite a lot of power at one point in time. And post the Charlotte, Charlottesville riots or protests, whatever it is that you want to call them, he kind of came back out again and he said, You know, President Trump is doing the right thing. And mm. which is just really kind of frightening um, to see how, how close you can get to history kind of repeating itself if you're not careful. Mm. You know? Um So, yeah, I would highly recommend that that movie as well. Mm. What about you?
1: Okay. Well, I saw Black Panther. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. What I've loved this year is seeing films that have, are just with a different type of cast. Mm. You know, like that's an all-black film, mm. really. That's beautiful to watch too. Isn't it? Mm. Beautiful mm. to watch. For lots of reasons. Like, I mean, the, just the muscles. Well, that
0: definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the costumes are pretty cool,
1: but the muscles are are also excellent. They are. Well, just, yeah, the costumes are really cool. Mm.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: The soundtrack's excellent. Yep. The action sequences yep. are really fun. The whole world yep. of the film is really interesting. It's quite it's quite nice and positive to
0: see like an an African race of people being represented in such a like a rich and wonderful way, it's like a quite a positive spin. Like I think you would see quite often is African people are always depicted as the more poor, less educated, less knowledgeable people. Definitely not the protagonists in a story. So um, I quite like that about it too.
1: Yeah, mm. I yeah, it's interesting that you say that because that's I yeah, I just really enjoyed it as. An action film, but mm. also at a deeper level, yeah. as at that as well. And then it just struck me: of course, why don't we just have more blockbuster films with casts of like African Americans mm. or mm. all Asian casts? And then we had Crazy Rich oh, Asians. I love that movie. I read all the books, and then I went and saw the movie, and I was just so happy. <sighs> It's just such a great rom com, yeah. And the co- the what about great costumes and yeah. fashion and a look at Singapore and just yeah. that like it's just I mean it's just escapism, yeah, right? But in a great way. And that Lee guy is really cute too. Oh god, and they're they, all so attractive oh yeah, in that movie. Nah.
0: I, even like the
1: mother. Oh, she's beautiful. She's
0: beautiful. Mm. Like, oh. What do you eat? What what do you do? (laughs) Tell me.
1: I know. She looks like she sits on a lily pad and does yoga. Yeah. Standing on her head or something and (laughs) eats like individual grapes and kimchi or something. Yeah. Just definitely brilliant and funny Mm. and and really just yeah, I've seen that twice. I really enjoyed it. It's so awesome. I really enjoyed that. I actually also saw the Meg this year. (laughs) What's the Meg? You would hate it. It's an under the sea kind of like terrible action film with Jason Statham as the lead guy. And it's just all about a giant megalodon, like a big shark. Oh, It's just ridiculous. (laughs) It's so bad. But I really love giant sea creatures. (laughs) I just love the ocean. I know. So I just really enjoyed how bad it was. And I don't normally like seeing bad films. Mm I leave that to James and Mason. But I really I saw it with James and I really enjoyed it even though it was really terrible and very sexist and all the women just needed help from all the men all the time. Excellent. But I still really enjoyed it. Yeah. So that was The Meg. Um, I actually just saw this really interesting film. It's only just come out called Screening, mm-hmm. which I think you would love. Mm-hmm. It's a really – you can buy it on YouTube. It's a really interesting concept. So they've used just screens to build the story. Mm-hmm. So they use, like, FaceTime calls and, like, the screen on a laptop. Mm-hmm. And it's – and that's – and so the video footage on that – Anything that's on a screen they've used to build the story, and it sounds like you would hate it, but it's it made me cry, and then oh. it's a sort of it's a it's kind of like a mystery a murder okay. mystery, and and the characters in it are really excellent. It's a great, it's and it's very different in the way that it's sort of. Done. So I would, hi- I don't want to spoil it, so, okay. but right. I would highly recommend Screening. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good. You can just get it on YouTube. Um, Annihilation with Natalie Portman. I've not seen that. Oh, that's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really kick ass, excellent kind of alien film. Like, a stri- mm-hmm. I'm not really into action films, but I really enjoyed it. It's a thriller. And it's just really – Natalie Portman is just kick-ass in it and the cast is great. It's all women Mm. and they all have to go in and kind of like save the world from this alien invasion. And it's just really – it never went to um, the big screen. It's Mm -hmm. only on Netflix as a release. So I don't quite know why that happened. It was weird. It was kind of almost buried a bit. But everyone loved it. It's had had rave reviews. So Annihilation was good. Um, A Quiet Place, did you see that?
0: No, because you know how I feel about scary movies. Oh, I know these are all scary. <laughs> Sorry, mate, but, but it's meant Emily. to be excellent yeah, too. It's yeah, with Emily Blunt and and her husband, who he in real is. life, right, the
1: guy from The Office, John Krasinski, there you who go. I love because I love The Office. He's great, but mm. he, um, I think, directed it, and it's just so great. It's s- scary, but I don't like anything gory. But it's yeah. kind of more a thriller and it's just lovely watching those two on screen. They're obviously really believable as a couple because they are a couple. Yeah, it's cute. So they're really cute. I really want to go see Mary Poppins actually. <gasps> I'm so excited. It's meant to be amazing. I
0: know. It's not out version.
1: until like, it's every it's out everywhere else in the world, but not here yet. Goddamn. I know. First of mm. Jan, I think. Oh, okay. We should go see it together. Mm, definitely. Can't wait to see that. There was also taller boys I've loved before. Oh, I love that yeah. rom com. Yeah, so good. And again, um, woman of colour, Asian woman as the lead wasn't a big deal. wasn't mentioned. She was just great in it. So refreshing to see like diverse people being. And potatoes. even the
0: unconventional nature of the family, like
1: yeah, it's a
0: sort of a single father who's looking after his three daughters, and how she sort of manages her romantic life and how he responds to it. And raising teenage girls would be really hard, I'd imagine, if you Mm. sort of haven't got another parent around to assist you. So, yeah, I really
1: loved that. I thought it was
0: awesome. I loved it
1: too. It was so gorgeous. My brother took me to a film called Love, Simon, which is a film about a kid kind of coming out to his family, but it's also a rom-com and he's kind of in love with this guy. Or they sort of, yeah, it's just a really fun but also Heart Woman and I sobbed. So it's like it's nice to see a film starring a queer kind of character mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily dark and sad but is just like a mainstream yeah. rom-com film. And also deals with themes about coming out in a very kind of I guess it's quite a light-hearted, mm-hmm. it's not too, it's deep but it's not super deep, you okay. know. So it's fun. It's worth, really worth watching. I really loved, love Simon. And I just saw Can You Ever Forgive Me with Melissa McCarthy.
0: Oh, is it good? Yes. I quite like her too. I
1: know. She's from Gilmore Girls, which is like one of your favorites. Oh, my God. I love Gilmore Girls. I did rewatch that
0: this year and I watched every single season of Seinfeld for the first time ever. Oh, which was a quiet experience, mate. I think I'm a fan now. Oh, of
1: course you are. How <laughs> could you not be? What a what a wonderful thing to be able to do. Yeah, I've already I'm seen the it. All. like, I'm so jealous that you get to do this. You get to experience it again. <laughs> oh, Lane. Oh, he's so she's so ahead of her time. Oh, I know. I love it so much. Um, oh, she's so good. Well, this film, "Can You Ever Forgive Me?" with Miss mm-hmm. McCarthy and Rich D. Grant, mm-hmm. is all about the author Lee Israel, and McCarthy is the lead and she's like overweight and grumpy and drinks whiskey all the time Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. is like very sarcastic lesbian and just it's so it's very funny and also heartfelt and sort of depressing but uplifting and it's just great to see a lead McCarthy really paired back I'm not such a big fan of her like she's very funny in Bridesmaids, but I didn't really enjoy that. Was that Boss film where she was a boss? Oh, I don't know. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I just I've some of her over too over the top stuff. Yeah. I think I really admire as a comedian, but I'm just not that's not my cup of tea. Mm. But in this she's hilarious but really pared back. Yeah. And just very different to other characters I've seen her in. And so it's quite a dark film. But I really I saw it with my mum and it was really quite fun. Okay. So I'd really, I'd recommend that as well. And I and yeah, so that's my list of films that I really loved this year. Oh I mean, my there's goodness. more, but that's just very I don't think I've been to the movies that much this year. Yeah. It's what enjoyable. have I been doing with my time? <laughs> we get to go. We I saw Oceans 8 too, which other people hated, but oh, I really I love enjoyed. that movie. I love that movie. Thank you, I really enjoyed I it. I love I loved it. Why do people hate it? I really liked it. I think it's I just know, because
0: it. it's a because sadly I think it's because it's a female cast remake of another movie, mm. people are finding ways to criticise it. It's like um, when they did the all-female cast version of Ghostbusters and everyone was like, that was terrible. I like, well, I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, I'm not exactly. really sure I, I why you're getting so up in arms about it. Exactly. Like why do people get so precious?
1: Jeez. Oh, relax. Relax, people. Relax, people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, I've heard The Favourite is excellent. I want to see that. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet. And there's another one starring Emma Thompson. Anything she does, brilliant. Okay, podcasts. Anything you've listened to? (laughs) I've listened to heaps. Um, You got me onto the Guilty (gasps) Feminist. That is my number one recommendation of 2018. Yeah, so good. Mm.
0: So good. Deborah Francis White, very funny. People that she gets on to speak, very funny. I like the little stand-up little bits and it's just great. Oh, so
1: great. And it's also very heartfelt and I love she's very like Revolutionary, inspiring, as well mm. as being really funny and great and hilarious, yep. and excellent. I listened to um
0: another one. I listened to
1: was what's well, an American one called Stuff Mom
0: Never Told You, which oh. is by the people that also do uh, it's two girls. Um, it's by the people that do How Stuff Works, and um, they just talk about a whole range of feminist issues, and it's fascinating. I really really like that one too.
1: Okay, I'm mm. gonna get onto that one. Mm-hmm. I also really enjoyed Oprah's Super conversation Conversations. Oh, no surprise, of course. However, I do have—I haven't listened to it recently. Some of her guests lost me, but a yeah. lot of hers have been brilliant.
0: I have to say, I have to be in the right mood for it because I do love listening to those conversations. But sometimes I'm just walking to work. <laughs> I need something lighthearted. I don't want to talk about the universe. And there's just no way I'm going to be able to to affect other people's souls and my nine-to-five role
1: today. Like, it's just not going to happen. Correct. Exactly. No good. Yeah, No, exactly. Um, I really enjoyed some no-filter interviews this year with Mia Friedman as well. Um, I like The Daily, which is just like a US political Mm -hmm. podcast. However... Well, it's not even really. It's like a download of the news every day Mm -hmm. from the US, uh, which, and I really enjoy it except I had to stop listening because it gave me anxiety Okay. towards the end (laughs) of the year because I just decided there is nothing I can do about some of these world events, so I'm going to try and affect change in my sphere of influence (laughs) and not listen every day to all the terrible things that Trump is doing. Yes. I'm sorry if you're a Trump supporter, but dear God. The world yep. is coming to a scary place. Yes, it is. Mm. Okay, so, well, there's some recommendations. I also just had a few people to follow. One, this is from The Guilty Feminist, mm-hmm. Eileen Beer, mm-hmm. who is, and she is on Instagram at we, with a double e, Miss Beer, B-E-A. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just a really funny Irish comedian, and I found her through The Guilty Feminist, and I follow her, and she's excellent. Okay. And she's feminist and just really funny and great. And also I found this beautiful, especially if you're going to be a mum, follow Hel- Helene, Helen, H-E-L-E-N-E, Helen, mm-hmm. Helene. Helene. Helene, the illustrator. Okay. So she's a bit like by Marie Andrew. Have you seen her on Instagram? No, I haven't. Oh, she's brilliant too Um, and she sort of is a poet and uh, writes and draws her story. So if you don't know her, follow by Marie Andrew. But Helene, the illustrator, is Sort of, she just does really fun illustrations about motherhood. Oh, nice. And they're just really, they always make me giggle because they're always very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and like today she had one where it was just like nursing my food baby and she's just like on the couch with a big belly just nursing her like Christmas pudding. It's just delicious. like really funny. And she I've made a really conscious effort this year and it has changed my world a bit mm-hmm. to only follow people that either I find have a different viewpoint to me in that they are people from a different place than mm-hmm. me and I'm learning something from following them, like a different perspective, or they make me feel good as in they are body positive, they talk about feminist issues, or it's like a news source. So what you're saying is you're not following people that make you feel like crap about yourself. Correct. So smart. It's I've stopped following so many people that just yeah. have lives that I'm like, every time I see it, a little part of me dies. I'm like, oh, why I like that? Oh, well, look at her stomach. You know, like yeah. all these stupid, like, people with like perfect food and like perfect long hair. No, get that shit away. I'm putting it away because yeah. I just don't need that in my life. And I got that recommendation from Beck Sparrow, mm-hmm. who I got recommended through a Mia Friedman episode of a podcast. And she's a brilliant person to follow she has a lot of talks for teenage girls, but her kind of perspective on it was that your feed and your social media is feeding your brain. And I think as a human, whether regardless of whether you're making a cake or you're writing a book or you're just operating and going to work and coming home in whatever capacity you are, whatever you absorb, read, watch, listen to, tweet about, look on Instagram, affects your mindset. Of course it does. And you've got to look after it. Yeah. Curate that shit, Mm -hmm. and none of those. If you're following people that make you feel bad, even if they're acquaintances, get rid of it. No, you don't need that. Carl, Carl, Carl. Mm, I like it. Recommendation. Cool. And then follow people who have great quotes and make you feel good. Chira Pitt is a great one to mm-hmm. follow. Yeah, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. She's a burned sort of – well, she was burnt in a fire while she was running mm. a mar- an ultra marathon. And she's just got great kind of mindset inspiration stuff and she's just also really funny. So there's some of, some of my recommendations. Mm-hmm. And also, last one, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Do you know who she is? Yes.
0: Isn't she – the most recently elected, like, representative for New York
1: or something. Correct. And she's quite young and she's quite feisty. She's the youngest female senator ever to be elected. Yes. Yes. Booyah. And she's also, she comes from the Bronx. Wasn't mm. she? Didn't she kind of win by surprise as well? They thought that her,
0: whoever her running mate was, was going to win was for sure. Was very, like, um, seasoned.
1: Yeah. Correct. And she's also, her heritage, I'm going to say, is Latino. Mm. And she's just – she has – but she's a great person to follow on social media because she believes in showing people sort of – she's got a – she understands social media basically because she's a young person. Yeah. And so she shows you behind the scenes of the American political system and what her office looks like and where she's walking through and how she has to get places. And she really believes in showing how imperfect the whole system is. Yeah, from the right. inside. And I think that's really important because it makes it more accessible for us. Okay. Good one. Mm. So I would follow her. She has great stories too. And Celeste Barber. (laughs) She's hilarious. I love her. I've been Uh, following
0: her for years, but, yeah, she's awesome.
1: Isn't she great? So funny. And she's great in this, actually, The Letdown. Have you seen that on the ABC? No, I haven't. Don't watch it until after you have a child. Okay. (laughs) Because you may get terrified. (laughs) <laughs> Actually, don't watch it until your child's about six months old, because <laughs> it's just really about a couple, like a whole lot of couples and having newborns. Mm-hmm. And it's no, it's not. As, there are some moments in it where you're like, dear God, that is so close to home, James. And I had to stop watching it because it came out when our son was quite little. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just keep that in your roster when you're when your baby is six months old. Okay, all right, good one. Don't do it now, Poor <laughs> Gorin. He will lose his mind. <laughs> but she's in that, and she's okay. really hilarious in it. Awesome. Really, really good. Okay, should we try and now do a quick – we've kind of really looked at a lot of issues that have cropped up this year, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, I think so. Um, we've zoomed around. Do you want to quickly talk about some of the stars that have passed away in
0: 2018? Yeah, yeah Sure. R-E-S-P-T,
1: <laughs> I don't know what it means to me. Oh, my God, I yeah. can't believe it. I was so emotional when Aretha Franklin died. Yeah, that was horribly sad. Mm, it was really intense and, yeah, I was really surprised how emotional I was. I think because she's such an icon and yeah. just brilliant and that concert concert where she sings for the Obamas. Oh, she's incredible. footage of that, even well into her 70s, yeah. amazing sort of – Strong woman. Mm-hmm. She passed away Stan Lee. Yeah. Um, and you know, the gift that he's given to the world in comic books and graphic well, art. Who's gonna
0: cameo in all those films now? Yeah,
1: I know. I love that he just sort of appears there occasionally. He does. <laughs> yeah, you know, and he's yeah. such a he had such a wonderful perspective on yeah. the world and goodness and trying to spread it's goodness in the world. But Reynolds dies. Yes. There's a thing. Mm-hmm. Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. Yeah. Mm. That was interesting. That was an interesting time because I
0: think those, both of them passed in a very short period of each other, yeah, didn't they? they did. And it struck up quite a conversation about mental health, mental illness mm, and how. they're
1: both suicidal. Yeah,
0: mm. yep. Um, and how regardless of how famous you are and how successful you are and how happy you appear to be from the outside that you could be suffering internally mm. um, and that, you know, someone's mental health is just as important as any other kind of physical condition that you could suffer from and to make yourself available and to support, be supportive of friends and stuff. So that was a very interesting time, I think.
1: Mm. Um, Yeah, Yeah, and worrying to think about that echelon of celebrity culture and how isolated people must be or the mental state that people get in. And I know I think that's why when I was reading Michelle Obama's book, it just occurred to me how grounded... And you know, mm. I mean, it could all be a fiction, but it's she seems to be because at the end of the day, she understands that celebrity, as much as you have a voice in it, such a tool, is also very dangerous mm. for you. And she was really careful about her daughters and trying as much as she could to maintain sort of protect it. them, yeah. and maintain their privacy because yeah. it obviously does send people sort of cr- crazy the in pressure. a way, or the not crazy, you but feel, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Stephen Hawking's passed away this year too. Yeah,
0: yeah. That was quite sad. Although miraculous that he managed to
1: live the life that he did live for as long as he managed mm, to live it, I know quite extraordinary. And the the what he gave the world in terms of thought, mm. so fascinating. So lots of people, and the what the big one that really affected me was John McCain. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is amazing. Quite, I mean, it's it's very rare, I think, these days that we look at any of our. Political leaders with any kind of level of admiration or respect. Mm. Australian politics is quite disappointing at the moment, mm. I'd say. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of distrust, there's a lot of there's a lack of loyalty, there's a whole bunch of very vitriolic and nasty things being said by lots of people about each other. and so it's very hard to have faith in the system. America isn't to, is kind of really in the same boat for the most part and to, I think he was quite balanced and rational and sensible and respectful of other politicians. I think I remember he was interviewed or he had g- given a speech somewhere because he's, he's Republican, isn't he? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, um, very had very, yeah, quite sort of, sort of staunch Republican values and, Someone from the Republican Party uh, um, was in the audience when he was speaking, and she yelled out something that was incredibly disrespectful
1: and quite cruel about Barack Obama yeah, at it was the time. Around the Bertha sort of lie and saying yeah. that he was from an Arab, basically.
0: Yeah, and he's and. Um, she, I think she'd said some other things and he was saying, no, ma'am, that's not true, no, he's a good person, no, he's... We just disagree yeah. on political yeah. policy. And and so many politicians these days tend to take the low road. It seems like it takes a lot of strength and character to take the high road and he did. so. Mm.
1: And, and separate the person from the politics. Exactly. Which is hard to do, particularly if there are some views that people have that are very harmful to people. But often there's, you know, the Republican Party, before it sort of seems to have swung really heavily to the scary right-wing, mm. like extreme right-wing space, yeah. is conservative but not extremist. Yeah. And there's a difference, I think, if you're just sort of, if you're a moderate on either side, you have a different disagreement on, you know, public policy, on, say, economics and, and those kinds of things, but you're not racist or you're not sexist you're yeah. you're trying to be yeah. you know a good person and i think that that's the problem at the moment there seems to be this like extreme right extreme left on yeah. both sides yeah that does get us doesn't get us anywhere yeah um, 100% yeah yep. and so you felt like he was someone i mean obama did his eulogy yeah so you, and you know thats isn't isn't that exactly what we want in politicians yeah. who can really have robust debates on what's best for the country, but on both sides are good people. Yeah. And that's what scares me at the moment. I feel like there's this huge kind of fascist agenda kind of trying to sweep through. And I don't think there are as many of them as we think. It's just that they're the loudest on social media. Yeah. um, mm, And I think we saw that in Trump being elected and in Brexit, which is happening at the moment, Mm. too. Um, though that may not go through now. Poor Theresa May, is the British Prime Minister, is trying really hard to get Brexit to be pushed through by March 29th mm. and for Britain to leave the EU. But it may not happen. They may do another vote. Mm. I don't know. But that's something that's sort of that scary, extreme right idea of us and them. And- yeah, and also just I think reflecting a lack of understanding about what the
0: implications would be of that kind of change and how you do have these groups of people in society who do feel like they've been heart done by, not listened to, um, uh, spoken down to, um, condescended to by the by an intelligent more, I guess, a more intelligent or perceived to be more intelligent, socially left-wing group of people that mm-hmm. seem... Um, are, Out of touch. Yeah, yeah. And there's this reaction to it. Um which can have dire consequences if you're not careful. So there needs to be more patience and understanding and listening to each other.
1: Mm, definitely, and I guess that's what hap- That's what's happening to Macron in yep. France, yeah, as well. And in the uprising that's happening in France and the protests and riots, mm. um, a lot of the lower classes, because there's a class system in France, are feeling unheard. Yeah, and I guess also it's kind of a pressure cooker because if you're wealthy and elite. You're not affected by mass migration or by refugees coming into the country, but if you're living on the poverty line, you are. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, you know, there's groups of people who are saying, no, we, we don't like what's happening in our country and they're scared. Yeah. And so out of fear comes a whole lot of sort of hatred and violence and... You know, when people feel like they're not being listened to and yeah. there's inequity in wealth, which is hugely problematic and around the world at the moment. The the share of the world's wealth is starting. The share of <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's there's so much inequity in the way that the well words world's world, wealth <laughs> <laughs> There's so much inequity in the way that the world works right now. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously that's gonna have consequences. So yeah, it is, definitely it, it feel it does feel like a scary time. Yeah, definitely. It does. And obviously there's also, I've noticed too within this year, a lot of recent issues with climate change Mm -hmm. and that scientists are sending more and more warnings that climate change is really real and the crisis is worsening and it's causing more refugees and mass migration and particularly for island nations. Yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely.
0: Don't you think, though, the positive thing to come out of a lot of this tragedy is the very impressive way that the next generation of, like, young people are speaking out in this really articulate, passionate, like, way against these issues that they consider to be oppressive and inappropriate. Mm. So the climate change thing, there's a lot of high school students and university students that are openly protesting what's going on and they – making a stand and trying to actually create change. There are a lot of young people um, in America specifically speaking out against mass shootings and the lack of gun control, Emma Gonzalez being one of them, and really it's giving me some hope that in the future we'll
1: actually have it might take a while, but there will be some change, positive change. Mm, I know. I know. It's so hopeful. Like the protests for climate change, where mm. a whole lot of high school students walked out of school mm. and stood on the steps and protested at Parliament House in Melbourne. Mm. Yeah, it's so inspiring. You sort of feel like maybe those guys should take over. Like they're great totally. so with the environment. They're so savvy. They're so, I mean, this is obviously generalizations, but often their view on sexuality and on sort of um, equality is just they've grown up with the kind of understanding of that that I think...
0: Well, it's interesting, the isn't it? That yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think what often happens is that the younger generation is always so, they're always so dismissed. They don't have the experience, they don't have the wisdom, so therefore they shouldn't know and their voices shouldn't be heard. But they say some of the most profound things, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite... It's quite impressive. So I certainly have hope that things will get better.
1: I do too. Yeah, I do too. And I think like there there have been some wonderful moments this year of hope. I mean, I know this is going to sound lame, but there's been some royal weddings and I love a royal wedding, but I also love Meghan Markle. And I think Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding was a – I loved the choices that she made Mm. or they made together – Oh, I mean, I loved how she walked alone down the aisle. That was a real feminist statement, mm. even her heritage being divorced, mm. um being of mixed race as well, and just um and having her as someone in such a kind of well known position advocating for good. Yeah. and I think they really are those talk of a new generation of royals. I think between Harry and Megan and also Kate and will. you get this sense that they're good people wanting the world to be a better place. Mm. And I know it's probably a bit of like the royals are just like, I mean, they are figureheads and it's all a bit ridiculous with lots of like fashion and shiny hair. But I do think they really are trying to make a difference. We had the Invictus Games here in Australia and I thought it's Harry's initiative um, supporting war veterans. And Michelle Obama talks about war veterans too and their families in Mm her book. And I loved seeing the footage of the Invictus Games. I thought so many um servicemen and women who had disabilities or who'd been affected in lots amazing, of different ways yeah. so amazing just out there and the spirit in the games and the kind of inspiring stories and the the kind of camaraderie and the support of each other you know just such so many beautiful stories yeah and so i do i definitely do i'm so hopeful for the I world. think 2019's going to be better mm
0: I agree. I think 2018 was definitely an improvement on 2017 and definitely 2016 because that just sucked for most people.
1: <laughs> but um, I I just, I have hope. I do too. I mm. mean, even you look um, to the US because mm-hmm. in Australia, in our political system, there are less women than there have ever been. But in in America, you think about all the different, you know, the women of colour that are mm. stepping up for the first. There's so many firsts, the first, you know, Latino woman, youngest woman elected, and then, you know, there's just so many women now stepping up into roles and I think people have become really sick of the status quo and realised that with Trump in power in the US, the only way that things can change is if they get involved themselves. And I've noticed that too, that I think apathy is our greatest enemy and to chat to positive change. And I really do think, you know, Anyway, in our Western culture, we've been, as a hornet's nest has been kind of stirred up
0: mm. and
1: people are getting fired up to really try and change things and do things and women are feeling more empowered to speak up and I kind of, in a woo-woo sense, I'm going all woo-woo now, Chanel, <laughs> At that time of night, we talked a lot, we're nearly finishing, it's a bumper episode, so here, here's my woo-woo feel. Mm-hmm. I feel like the world has had a very masculine energy for quite a long time mm-hmm. and Back in, like, ancient times, I think there have been cultures where there's been a real feminine energy. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's a real rise in feminine energy again Mm -hmm. and the world needs more feminine energy because the world needs care. Like, from a climate change perspective, from a humanity perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we need in general, this big generalisation, women are sort of more in touch with nature and the seasons and our, yeah. you know, the way that our world operates. And that's a big generalisation. But I mean, we have the ability to make life. And I think we're connected in, in the way and plugged in that sometimes guys can't understand. And so I think that the more that women can talk and speak up and advocate and the more that the world will, no, I'm not saying we're taking over, but maybe there's a different way of operating. Well, maybe, maybe what will just happen is we'll swing back
0: into, we'll swing into a kind of balance or harmony or I'm looking for a specific word and I can't think of it at the moment. Equilibrium? Yeah, something like that where you've got a balance of energy and um, it creates a... A cr- creates a world and a society that just works better, is mm. better, is greater, achieves but I more. I
1: hope. I hope so too. You know, I mean, I think with all change comes the flip side of that, which is like negative energy. Mm. James do- <laughs> is see there we go. James is doing a dance for was us. Is that the Furious dancing you were talking about? That was the Furious dancing. Yeah, <laughs> whenever things get really bad, I like to do it now. To Blended or Furious dances to like um the Dixie Chicks or something. Oh nice. Yeah, so that's what I like to do. Furious dancing <laughs> to Earth, Wind and Fire or oh, something. Oh good. One. Boogie Wonderland <laughs> or um what's that other one? December. What's the? Oh yeah. What's that one. I can't remember. I know what you're talking about. Or November. I, I don't know. Is it September? <laughs> <laughs> you got the Ember part right. Anyway, it's New invite. Amazing! It's oh, so great. good to listen to. You. Um, yeah, so I do. I, I'm hopeful. So on that note, mm-hmm. now, do you have some resolutions? Do you have anything that we want to move into 2019 with for you personally, <laughs> not on a global scale? I mean, you can make that if you like. Oh. But.
0: No, um, I no, I have no resolutions. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have resolved to have zero hopes and dreams. <laughs> the one thing I actually think, the one thing I've been co- contemplating is um, uh, with the impending arrival of a small person and having to step away from my professional career, as I know it, for a t- period of time that I'm not really sure what that, that is, um, having recently purchased... A new house and Woohoo,
1: near us, new house, yay! and having so and having excited. to move
0: out of the neighbourhood that I know and love and I'm familiar with, and I'm feeling somewhat nostalgic and sad and somewhat terrified about leaving the apartment that I love, um, with all its quirks and creaks and things like that. Um, uh, for me, there's going to be just this whirlwind of change and trying to find a way for someone like me who's very ordered and rational and likes to control everything, um, how not to have a meltdown about it. So for me, um, I don't have a specific word, but I have decided 2019 will be about embracing change and just going with it,
1: Ooh. you know? yeah. Super wise. Oh, well. Mate. I don't know.
0: I feel like I don't really have a choice, right? <laughs> Either embrace it or I sit there lamenting
1: it and I'd rather not do that. <laughs> Just rocking in the corner. <laughs> what about I you? very wise. <laughs> okay, well, I'm so excited because 2019 for me is the year that Chanel moves around the corner <laughs> <laughs> and goes from eternity to maternity leave. Oh, my God, I have like a friend to catch up with the all the time. So I know you're panicking, but I am doing furious dancing over here. I'm so so excited, oh. and you're going to love it here. It's cool. Yeah, no, it's, um, great. it's great. look. Oh, yeah, I definitely think embracing change is a great way to go into motherhood because mm-hmm. that's all you can do, yeah. mate. <laughs> Hold on for dear life and ride the waves. Um, oh, You're going to be great, though. But it is hard. Mm. Oh, you know. Um, For me, my word of the year because I chose. I've been. I've stolen this from another podcast called Mamma Mia Out Loud, where they choose a word of the year, and it's so. It's done me. Well, the last mm-hmm. couple of years. So mm-hmm. the first one was consistency. And mm-hmm. I reckon. Hey, 50 episodes or more now. 62, there mate.
0: You there you go. Amazing.
1: So that's one. Consistency was, was it two years ago. This year, 2017, has been health. Yep. And I actually feel like I've been, I've, I really have got my health back in check. Good work. Been really working on not pushing myself as much as I was in 2016. I have been looking after my mental health with my Instagrams. Yeah. I've been and just, you know, I've been working out more. I've, mm. I'm more I'm stronger than I've ever been. Um we've been trying to eat really well. Mm-hmm. And so I've been trying to care for my skin and do all those things, drink enough water and I really think that I've in general, there's been collapses, but I've really tried to, to the have best more of balance. us. Yeah. Exactly. And just tried to breathe more. So I think I've really started to care more more for myself this year. So mm-hmm. that was my word, health. So I'm gonna continue that because mm-hmm. health is important. It is. However, my word for this year is courage. Oh, nice one. Yeah, because I noticed something that's been happening to me towards the end of the year is that like i you know with our live show all those things i've been scaring myself and things have been going well but what tends to happen to me is when oh i think this is universal when you start to get a little bit of traction and things start to go well mm-hmm. then the fear creeps in yeah like the real and i i don't know if guys experience this as well but that feeling of like imposter syndrome i think they definitely and do and i think self-doubt. they just i just don't think they articulate it
0: often articulated as much as they should. I think women are much more afraid to so say, I'm scared.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. yeah, And that's kind of how I feel and I want to have more courage because what I believe wholeheartedly is that more women need to speak up, more yeah. women need to make things, more people in general who are good-hearted and who want good things for the world Mm -hmm. need to put that out there and not be apathetic and all that stuff I believe. But what then that comes with is you putting yourself out there Mm. on a ledge and that's scary because you put yourself out there for criticism. And also something else that has been scaring me a little bit is being in public in the way that we are and my family is with James and that's a bit scary to me mm-hmm. and i've been finding myself wanting to cancel my instagram account and just retreat into my home <laughs> because because i've never been someone that's posted a lot about my life on social media before yeah. and i'd have this year not you know i'm still private in lots of things but i really have put myself out there and people have been wonderful and written to us and and i've felt like it's been for a good reason mm-hmm. and i really heartedly believe that speaking what your truth being creative and allowing yourself to be open to criticism and making the world a better place is all great stuff. I wholeheartedly believe that, but I, it's coming with a lot of fear. Of course. So next year I want to walk in with a lot of courage. You can have fear though. I think fear is important
0: in that it it does stop us from making crazy decisions or thing, doing things that are too dangerous. So fear is fine. What, what does Elizabeth Gilbert say? Fear can sit in the back seat of the car, but, like, yeah. I'm still going to go do this thing. you just you got to come along for the ride. That's what's happening. I love that. Mm. So have the courage. A little bit of fear is okay, but um, you
1: don't want it to control you, I guess. You just have to talk to my fear. Yeah. That's why yeah, I'm so glad you're moving around the corner. <laughs> now I feel better already. <laughs> I like <laughs> <So>,
0: that. <time. laughs>
1: that's good. Okay, so fear, you're not going anywhere in 2019. Mm. Because I've also got fear for the planet, fear for a lot of things. Mm. But, but fear is like, it's okay, man. You mm. can sit with me in the back seat of the car, but courage will be in the front seat. Yeah. Driving along. Know your place, fear. Correct. You're, you're doing a public service. Correct. I don't need you to be in control of the wheel because you'll panic. Exactly. You'll real shake things up and spoil <laughs> things. Exactly. So don't worry, fear. I've got this. Do I? Yes. Yes, You absolutely do. 2019. Mm -hmm. Year of courage. Okay. That's it. Okay. That's it for 2018. Yeah. So long
0: farewell 2018. Yes. Thank you for all you've done and sayonara to all the bad things that have happened. I know. And uh,
1: I really thought Trump might not be president by the end. I know. Still is. I think we all did on some level. I know. It's okay. It'll be all right. It'll
0: be 2019.
1: Correct. (laughs) I'm really hopeful that Mm -hmm. we'll still have the same prime minister for an entire year, (laughs) but you know, I'm crazy like that. So (laughs) that's hilarious, Gomo. I don't know. Although probably not actually, because they're going to call an election. He's he's not done well. He's awful. So we probably There's are There's very few get... people left though,
0: let's be honest. We're running out of
1: people. Yeah, this is true. everyone else is either resigning or being ousted. With... So. I know. I want Penny Wong to be Prime Minister. Yeah. I really like her. She's from the Labor Party mm-hmm. and um, she's just great. Anyway, we are going to get a new Prime Minister probably next year probably, in Australia. Yeah. But anyway, hopefully you stay well out there, whoever yeah. you are listening. Thanks find your word, find your truth, enjoy yourself. Oh, I love that. And enjoy your New Year's Eve, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Have a wonderful old time. And a really big thank you to Raw Collings, mm. who has made it possible for us this year to release an episode a week. Thank you so much for uh,
0: professionally and expertly cutting out the foibles of me and
1: Claire and our muttering and turning this into a well, somewhat occasionally cohesive Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. He's done a great job. And thank you to everybody that has written us this year. If you would oh, like to yeah. write in with a topic or a comment, we would love to hear from you at justmakethethingpod at gmail.com. Follow us on socials. Um, just come along for the ride. We would lo- we'd love to have you around. Thank you to those who came to our live show as well. Oh, that was so good. Thank you so much. I know. And hopefully we'll do some more in conversations next year. Yeah. Um, But thank you so much. I hope that you've made some things this year. Yeah, absolutely. And you make some more stuff next year. Definitely. Cool. Okay. Hear you. See you. Speak to you in 2019. Speak to you in 2019. Hopefully everything is fine. (laughs) Bye. Bye. You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make the Thing with me, Claire Tonti, and with the wonderful Chanel Luchev. For more of our podcasts, as always, head to planetbroadcasting.com. You can follow me at Claire Tondy on Instagram for whenever this show is released. You can also follow Chanel Luchev at Bend Yoga Melbourne. You can follow me on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies and also our show at Make the Thing on Twitter. If you would like to email the show with questions or comments or things that you're making, please go to justmake the thingpod at gmail.com. And that goes for if you'd like to advertise on our show as well. We would love to hear from you. Wow. A huge, ginormous, heartfelt, massive thank you for all of your support all throughout 2018. I hope 2019 brings lots of things for you to make. Lots of joy, lots of love, lots of learning, lots of moving forward. And if you are stuck, if 2018 has been a real rough time, just remember, you are loved, you are, and you will be okay. Take some time, stop and listen, massive deep breaths, and onwards. Okay, that's it from me for this year, guys. Talk to you soon. Oh, we're going on a little break. We'll have some best ofs for you over the next couple of weeks, but the Sundays are going on holiday to the beach. So in the meantime, thank you again to Raw Collings for editing this episode as always. Okay, really going this time. Bye.